0: I want to start saying Assyrian Coffee, right? Like we need to start saying that. And someone asked me, well, why didn't you name your company Assyrian Coffee? Or why didn't you name your, you know, one of your labels Assyrian Coffee? Mm -hmm, mm
1: Hello friends, this is Steve and welcome to episode 144 of the Assyrian Podcast. 144 episodes have gone by and we continue to find stories across the globe of people who have found their passion and have made a difference with it. There is a lot to be optimistic and hopeful about when I think about all the different people we've had on this podcast. What are the things that you are into? We all have some sort of a driving passion or thing that we get excited about in a unique way. Is it writing, singing, running your own company? What gives you a jolt of energy? Maybe it's coffee. As an Assyrian, coffee and tea have played an integral part of our lives. Tell me you aren't overjoyed when you walk into an Assyrian home and you know there's boiling hot tea and coffee with pastries ready to go. Today's guest, Atina Alkes, will take us into the history of coffee and why she started her own coffee company called Tea Coffee. Atina is thinking about coffee and tea not just as liquids, but as life-changing experiences that remind us of all the goodness we get to experience every day. And she'll also connect us with our Assyrian roots and help us get a little pep in our step. Atina is an awesome example of an Assyrian entrepreneur who's tying her passion into her heritage and today we get to hear all about it. But before that, a few other notes. Do you know someone who should be on the Assyrian Podcast? Go to our website www.AssyrianPodcast.com and let us know. We'd love to hear from you. The Assyrian Podcast is all about covering stories within the Assyrian world that many haven't heard about. Um, We want to bring those stories to light and share in all the awesomeness of our community. Support for this week's episode of the Assyrian Podcast is brought to you by Tony Caligaracos and the Injury Lawyers of Illinois and New York. If you know anyone that's been in a serious accident, please reach out to Tony Caligaracos. Tony has been recognized as a top 40 lawyer and a rising star by Super Lawyers Publication and has obtained multiple multi-million dollar awards. Tony can be reached at InjuryRights.com or 847-982-9516. This episode is also sponsored by the Oshana Partners, a husband and wife real estate team. Are you considering purchasing or selling a home in Arizona or California? John and Rita are available to help make your next real estate decision into a seamless transaction. Contact the Oshanas at 209-968-9519. Get to know them by checking out their website, the OshanaPartners.com. And now the moment we've all been waiting for. Here is the interview with Atina. Before we get into all the coffee stuff, which is super exciting, yep. aren't you like a master of wine? Like <laughs>
0: almost, almost. So I have a master in wine. I am certified in theory level two. There's five levels. I did take a level three and I passed the tasting. I did not pass the theory part of the test. so I have to retake that. So I will complete that and I'll be a level three certified, but I don't know if I'm gonna go to level five. So I'm a master of wine level two and a half, I guess.
1: (laughs) So when you drink wine, you can tell me what kind of barrel it was stored in, where it comes from all that kind of stuff
0: yes i could probably tell you the vintage what country it came from and maybe what region mm. Most, yeah i could definitely tell you what region for level three the blind tasting which i did pass you are given two white wines and two red wines and you do a blind tasting you, you don't even know what the bottle looks like you don't know anything and you have to have every mark Of that wine correctly written down Mm -hmm. and they look for these marks so it's a flavor descriptor or flavor note the way you describe it so you have to do that you have to talk about how it was prepared if it was oak or a barrel aid, how it was produced. I mean, it's very uh, logical, a lot of theory. So it's a lot of information, but you do a lot of tasting. So it becomes second nature to mm-hmm. you. So that's why it helps with coffee as well, because the hardest thing about wine tasting and people get confused is that when you take a sip, your mind knows what it's tasting, but you don't know how to describe it. So once you learn to describe something and there's a systematic approach to it, you can do it on the fly and it just becomes second nature. So I could take a sip of wine and in my head, while I'm talking to you, I'm already going through the whole yeah. and find out what type of wine it is.
1: So you demystify it.
0: Yes. So during my blind tasting, I got all four wines right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the theory part is really difficult because they can ask you anything about any region, about any wine. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: But do you enjoy wine, or is it all technical for you now?
0: No, I I love it. It's it's a bit technical, but I've been in the wine industry for now 15 years, and so it's you know it's it's become part of my life. My dad makes natural wine, and it's it's a great conversation. It's, mm-hmm. I think it'll always be part of my life somehow. And so and you know then I always say like the next big beverage is coffee, and wine and coffee kind of play hand in hand. You go to Europe, you have a glass of wine, and you end your meal with an espresso, right? Like. We don't have that culture here. So Mm -mm. it's beginning to shift that way too. I think as people are working from home, they're trying to bring that culture kind of at home because you can have anything at any time now. Mm -hmm. So it is technical, can become technical. But when you think about wine, it's such a romantic industry to work in, right? Like you're growing an agricultural product and you're picking the grapes from the vineyards and there's this whole like romanticism to it. and You're bottling the wine and... You're drinking it and there's a story behind it and you know you can tell everything about it so yeah Beautiful.
1: The thing is, is I always knew you were into wine, that you, I know you worked in that industry and you still do work in that industry. And then to see how excited you've gotten over coffee to launch your own company, you shared a little bit about that relationship. Do you have more to share there of the the connection between those two for you or were they totally separate?
0: I think they were separate, but somehow they became one in a sense, I guess, because They're both beverages. They're both part of my life. They've always been part of my life. Like the wine part is my dad. The coffee part is kind of my mom. Mm -hmm. So it's a mixture of everything. So it's kind of what I've been, what I grew up with, right? So it's become me in a sense, I guess. And wine was part of me and I never knew coffee was part of me as well. And then I kind of grew into that. And now I'm even stepping into that in a different phase, which I never even expected I would be there. So that's exciting for me.
1: Yeah. So tell us, how did you go from somebody who loves coffee? And I did read on your website, you're talking about obviously seeing your mom inviting friends over and getting all decked out and ready to have a good cup of coffee and have a conversation. So how did it go from this is really awesome, beautiful thing to I'm going to launch my own coffee company?
0: Yep. That's a great question. And I get asked that a lot. It's funny because, you know, for Assyrians, a lot of us coffee or we say gava is part of our life. I mean, you probably had coffee as early as a teenager, right? <clears throat> you have it before your first beer, your first wine. It's like um like the age of coming, I don't know what it is, but how I really got into it is because, you know, I would go to my mom's or I would go to my aunt's or we would go to my cousin's and as soon as we walk in everyone's excited and it's like do you want gava and it's like we already know when you say do you want GABA, we already know what's going to happen <laughs> you know we're going to have a table full of sweets and you know seeds and we're going to sit down and that coffee and conversation is not going to be 10 minutes it's going to be an hour two hours and it just becomes so much more mm-hmm. so for me it was part of my life and I never realized how big it was part of my life and so I was sharing that on instagram and i was posting and i was you know when i would get my fortune told i would post that as well or if i was reading someone's fortune i would post that so i had a lot of friends that were following me that were not privy or were um didn't know what this type of coffee was and like they're all what is this can you tell me more about it like gava yeah gava they're like what is this how are you getting your fortune i've never seen this is it turkish coffee and i'm like yeah it is turkish coffee so we have our own traditions and so I just kept, people kept asking me and asking me, and it was non-Assyrian people that were, or you know, not even non-Assyrian, but people that didn't even know about it or the traditions of it. And so one day I was just kind of sitting on my couch at home and I got an Instagram ping and one of my friends said, hey, I'm really interested about this GABA thing you keep posting, like, can you give me a call one day? I just wanna, like, I really love coffee and I wanna know more about it. And I literally read that and an hour later, I was on GoDaddy. I was mm-hmm. on on Legal I mean, I was I had an idea, and in a week, I had everything written out and what I wanted. So that's how that was the catalyst that kind of drove me is people asking questions. and then I found, okay, there's there's something to solve there. There's a problem to solve there. People don't know about this. And the crazy thing is, it was the original method of how coffee was prepared when it was first founded. Why are we not? You know, why is nobody talking about this? It was the first way coffee was ever prepared and you can talk to the biggest
1: what does that mean so go go through like step by step
0: so coffee was founded and i'll I'll tell you a fun fact because i love fun facts if you don't know coffee was founded in ethiopia Uh Um, there's there's multiple stories but the, the story that's you know really prevalent is the one in ethiopia and it's these two farmers and they had a herd of goats and the herd separated and one herd was walking faster or working harder and you know, doing a little things a little bit quicker with a little bit more oomph and a little more, more pizzazz. And then the other group was just kind of like, and eh, there. So the farmers started realizing this behavior and they're like, what's different? Like they're both hurting, but they're on this side. Well, they realized the goats that were a little bit more hyper and more active and had more energy were eating these berries that were unknown to them. And so they started kind of just experimenting with them. And then they realized oh this gives you energy and so a fun fact about wine and coffee too is back then coffee there's no terminology for coffee so everything was dark colored beverage was called wine so not only wine was called wine but coffee would have been called wine at that point mm-hmm. wouldn't have been called coffee so at that point i think it was the king of ethiopia gifted the beans as a gift to the sultan of the ottoman empire at that point and The Ottoman gave, the Sultan at that time gave it to his kitchen and played with recipes. And then they just put the coffee grounds over some flame with some water and they boiled it and they said, oh, this becomes a beverage. So that's how the idea of coffee and the way coffee was discovered and the brewing of it, right? Like it was, all they had was water, a flame and copper was used at that point. So copper pot and the coffee, that's it. Simple. Simple. So, so
1: the, the goats got juiced. Yes. And the farmer <laughs> knew something was different.
0: Yes. So, yes. So and we,
1: then we all became addicted to coffee.
0: Yes. All because of a goat. <laughs> that's wild. <laughs> right? And you don't hear that story. So. I
1: never would have figured that out. So yeah. that's
0: the cool thing with coffee and the thing that draws me into it. It's like you and I are sitting here. You're having some coffee. I'm having you know coffee and we're having conversation and I'm telling you a story that you've never heard. So... Mm-hmm. That's my whole thing with my coffee is I want people to sit down, have my coffee and talk about the label and talk about these stories and have someone say, hey, I've never heard that. That's so cool. I want to tell someone else that. Right. Like, how can you not wait until you tell someone that story now? Right? I'm excited. Like, so, yes. Yeah. So it's it's things like that. So coffee's exciting. It's
1: actually funny, too. It's a funny story. It's a
0: hilarious story. Because I mean,
1: everybody at work, like we all drink coffee to go faster. There's <laughs> like, billions
0: and billions of coffee, you know consumed a day so just think about it if those goats never found those little bushes of coffee beans
1: yeah and you're a history buff when it comes to coffee in that even you live here in san francisco we've got this amazing view right outside yes and uh you were telling me earlier like this is where coffee was invented or
0: well not invented but it's a prominent coffee district Mm -hmm. so um it's in the financial district near the ports Back in the day, this actually used to be called Port City, this area where all the ports were and Hills Brother, Folgers Coffee, all those big, big coffee names were all actually founded in this neighborhood. In addition, back in the day when coffee was exported and imported, all of the world's coffee exports came through San Francisco, like right in front of my house. It's just crazy and the way i discovered that was i was at a friend's house Mm Edith, and they uh, at her apartment they have this little library section where they have free books and i always stop by and i always make sure i check it out and there was a book called port city and swear to god this is a true story i opened it up and the first page i got to was about my neighborhood and i'm like oh this book is meant for me Mm -hmm. so i took it home and i read all about it and i'm like oh my god that's so that's so crazy, you know? It's like divine, I don't know.
1: So this was kind of a main hub then for getting coffee in and out.
0: Yes, so all of anything that was exported from Europe or um, Africa or anywhere, before it got distributed in the United States or anywhere else, it came through here, through the San Francisco ports.
1: Very cool. And um, so I do want to share one memory of Qava, Is For me, it was that feeling when it would... It would rise. It would get too high. Do you know? Am I talking about the same thing? Like when When it
0: overflows? Yes.
1: (laughs) So how do you make that? How do you even make lava?
0: So it's really easy. It's simple, but it does take practice. And I mean, a lot of patience as well. Gava is not as you all know if you've had it um if you have it it's not something like on the go like hey i'm gonna have a kava and make something on the go no it's you need to unwind or it's the weekend and you, need to, you want some time it's really that time to yourself right it's kind of therapeutic you're making the coffee you're watching it and it's, it becomes an art but it is practice basically i use the the traditional recipe is just unfiltered coffee and you can if you have coffee at home and if you don't have specific gaba it just needs to be finely um, ground so like espresso like you can use regular coffee as well and you pour coffee ground so like one tablespoon of coffee three ounces of water which is just a traditional espresso cup sugar if you want some sugar and then if you want the non-traditional you can add some milk at that point if you want the half and half Mm -hmm. which a lot of people do because the original recipe is just water and coffee is very strong you boil all that together on the pot but that's the important thing what you were talking about you don't walk away (laughs) and (laughs) i've known plenty of people have made this mistake you walk away and it just goes everywhere yeah
1: has that happened to you it's
0: happened multiple (laughs) times multiple times when i was making the coffee earlier the milk almost because i use the coffee pot to uh, froth milk in as well you can do that the cool thing is i sell the uh, the copper coffee pots they have a lip around it Mm -hmm. so it prevents it from overflowing so Mm. as soon as it gets to the top it just kind of concaves in on itself wow you solved
1: that problem so it doesn't
0: it's it's one of the most popular selling coffee pots so definitely solve that problem but
1: i think i'm scarred from from that happening as a kid because, yeah. you know, my mom would assign me to go do that that one job.
0: It's like Bouchala. You can't stop, yeah. like, stirring it. Like, Gava, you can't stop watching it. You have to watch it.
1: If you walk away, even for, like, 10 seconds, no. you're like, oh, this yeah. isn't ready. Yeah. And then you no. turn around.
0: Yeah, it's and quick.
1: And it's over. It
0: sneaks up on you.
1: So going back, you had that idea. You bought the GoDaddy, the legal. What What all did you start building?
0: So basically at that point, this was four years ago. So this was in 2017 when I established it, August 2017 my idea at that point and my mission was to just start kind of educating people on hey you guys remember this is how coffee was made? In addition, there's also fortune you can have with your coffee, like how cool is that? And for me, the problem was people didn't know what they needed, how to make it, and where to buy it. And so what I did was put all those together. And so I had tea coffee in 2017. At that time, I was just selling one coffee blend and it was GAVA blend, and it was a starter kit you can buy. So everything you need to make coffee or GAVA at home and have GAVA at home. So I would sell the the kit, or you can buy the gava alone, and because you you know a lot of people have the cups and stuff at home, buy the gava. So um, the kit was really to design to introduce gava to people who've never had it, people who are interested in coffee and want to learn more or, or other ways of brewing, and third was really just to tell people and start telling people about my culture and how we enjoy it. It's literally part of our culture. It's who we are, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's how I feel. And so that's what my focus was. And I had other ideas for the business. I just didn't know where it was going. And so I just kind of let it go. And original idea was just to have a kit, a starter kit, just to get people kind of...
1: Just for fun kind just of Just for thing. fun, yeah. And then I want to hear more about how you built up your your coffee brand and tea coffee But before that, there's like some just fun, basic questions. Sure. (laughs) What happens to a person when they have a sip of coffee?
0: That's a great question. So first of all, happiness happens. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: (laughs) You get a smile on your face. No. Um, Obviously, we know the caffeine is a stimulant. And I think within 10 minutes, the the caffeine enters your body and it goes i believe to your brain it sends receptors and they're Mm. kind of like happy receptors and it just gives you that extra like it's a stimulant so it gives you a rush of energy and coffee has an average about 140 milligrams of caffeine in it and tea like a regular tea would have 70 milligrams of coffee uh, Mm -hmm. of that just to give you an idea so it really it's a stimulant and it gives you energy and then obviously that's temporary and then it kind of comes down so
1: and so that's why people love it so much that it's that rush Yeah, yeah it's
0: that you know you you realize when you take it and i mean you're sitting down working and then all of a sudden you have this like oh i can get this done and you're typing quick and you know you just feel this boost of energy so that's what the receptors are at that point the caffeine is working with the your receptors in your brain and that's what's being released it is also an antioxidant so it is also providing antioxidants for your body Granted, you're not adding sugar and cream and all that stuff into your coffee, right? But the coffee bean itself, it has antioxidants.
1: It could be used for medicinal purposes? Yes, yes. How many different places have you gone and tasted coffee to know what it <laughs> tastes like?
0: Um, many, many places, but two of my favorite places I've ever had coffee... Um, Paris, just because you, you're sitting on, you know, by the river and people watching it's just part of the culture and the coffee just tastes so much better there. The other is Bali and coffee is huge in Bali and I actually got to go to a site and see how they make coffee, how they produce it, how they package it. And I actually had a chance to taste poop coffee. <laughs> Wait. A- <laughs> OK, so I'm joking when I say that it's actually not called that. I don't know. I forget the official name, but it's it's coffee. So there's a specific type of animal in Bali that eats coffee beans mm-hmm. and then, it, you know, digest digests it. it out. And <laughs> the farmers collect the digested coffee beans. They clean them. I mean, it's very sanitized. Clean them and they brew it, and it's supposed to be the best tasting, most smoothest, no acidity coffee. You had. We tasted it and it tastes amazing. (laughs) And we actually got to see the animals. I'll show you some pictures. Okay. Um. And so that was the most interesting thing to me. And they actually fire roast their coffee so by hand. So I got to do that and taste it, and it was just amazing.
1: So. Well, uh, that kind of throws me for a loop because when I think of Bali, I think of, you know, here's a spiritual retreat center where I'm going to like quiet my soul and whatever. But apparently coffee is huge there.
0: Coffee is huge everywhere. I mean, coffee is, it connects the world if you think about it. I mean, there's not one, there's not one culture that doesn't drink coffee. And if you think about gava too, right? Like one thing also to what I'm really trying to do in my mission is, as Assyrians, why do we not say Assyrian coffee, right? Turkish coffee is Turkish coffee because it's a style of, right, right? like espressos and but Italian we have style. our own way. We of... have our own way of doing it, saying it. So in Greece, if you go to Greece, it's Turkish coffee you're having. It's the same style, but they say Greek coffee. If you go to Israel, it's Israeli coffee. You know, in the United States, actually, gava is known as cowboy coffee, so mm. back in the day at the campfire, they would have their campfire coffee. And that's gava, pretty much. I mean, it's just they're boiling their coffee and pouring it into a cup and enjoying it, right? For each country, they actually take it and run with it. For Assyrians, maybe it's because we don't have a country. We don't, can't say it. But like my whole thing is like, I want to start saying Assyrian coffee, right? Like we need to start saying that. And someone asked me, well, why don't you name your co- company Assyrian coffee? Or why didn't you name your, you know, one of your labels Assyrian coffee? And I said, I want to use my platform to be able to tell those stories. I I don't want that to be the whole identity, right? Like, I'm the identity, but I want my heritage and culture to become part of that, so. Yeah. yeah.
1: Which is a hard mission to accomplish.
0: Very hard, especially because it's such a saturated field, coffee. You know, there's all these brands out there and everyone's competing, and so how do you become different and how do you set yourself apart, right? So that's really important.
1: Yeah, and... When I think of like dolma, you can go buy dolma from like any Middle Eastern yeah. restaurant, Mediterranean restaurant, but Assyrian dolma, it I, it's different, different. Right. yeah, and it's hot. Yeah, Most places don't sell dolma hot. It's they cold. sell it cold. Yeah.
0: And some they don't have meat in it or it's different spices and mm-hmm. it is. The thing about Assyrians too, I think because we were so spread out and we've taken identity in country- countries where we've became refugees or made new homes, we've adapted the influence of that culture into it. So I, I, I think for us, the coffee has remained ours kind of, I don't know. Like I always feel like as a kid, I never knew Turkish, co- even though it's called Turkish coffee, I never knew it was from Turkey. Like right. I thought it was an a certain thing. And I'm like exactly. I never, I never thought like, why do they why are they calling a turkey I never even questioned it, you know, yeah. until I got older to understand and I'm like, why aren't you calling it a serving coffee? I mean, even as a teenager I remember saying that, you know, so
1: So Atina is reclaiming yes. six thousand years <laughs> worth of coffee history, yes, and <clears throat> essentially saying to Assyrian people like, "Hey, wait a second, we do ours uniquely. Like, there's something different about when we go to drink coffee." Yeah, can you argue that point? Like, if I were to be like, "No, Atina," like, <clears throat> uh, there's other ethnicities that when they drink coffee, like they do the same stuff we do. What What would be the distinctive?
0: That's a really great question, Steve. Too, and I get that. I get asked that because a lot of people are like, "Well, isn't it just Turkish coffee?" I'm like. Let's just stop talking about that. Let's talk about what it actually is, right? Like, it's coffee at the end of the day, and it's just like you make bread. A bread recipe is going to be the same, but you can make it whatever you want. I can make it whatever I want. I add my own touch, right? Even if it's a magic touch or whatever it is, you're you're bringing that into that, like. Mm-hmm. When I make a food at home and my mom makes the same food at home, it tastes completely different. Even though I'm following the same instructions, even if it's gilale that I'm just like washing and eating them, if my mom washes them and I'm eating it, it tastes different, right? So with coffee, it's the same for everyone. Cuban coffee, it's the same thing as cava. Mm -hmm. What they do separately is while they're brewing it is they put um, two tablespoons or a little bit of sugar in a cup. While the coffee is brewing, before it finishes brewing, they pour a little bit of the coffee in the sugar mix up the sugar, beat it, beat it, beat it. And then once the coffee's ready, they pour that coffee over the sugar with the coffee in it already. Mm-hmm. So that's distinct for them. So they call that Cuban coffee, right? But when you think about it, it's Turkish style coffee. In Bali, they it's the same thing. So everyone does it different. With us, we actually, we add sugar in it. We add milk in it. We do our own way of telling falls, the mm-hmm. fortune, right? Like <laughs> um, each country in Greece, they do different types of readings, It's what you want it to be to make it different, to give it identity. Mm -hmm. So there's not a straight answer. It's just what you can bring to it. And it's not what we bring to it. It's what it brings to us. Coffee connects us. I think that's what it does.
1: Yeah. And the other piece is that you're saying basically when you think about coffee, go beyond the chemicals.
0: A hundred percent. Yeah. It's an art. I mean... There's different types of coffee beans and, you know, mixtures of coffee you can put. And when you think about the science of coffee and where it can only grow and it can only grow around the equator and the types of it. I mean, there's just so much science behind it. So it's literally an art of making gava. And if you notice, if you go to someone's house, there's always that one person that will make the kava because they only know how to make it and everyone wants that person to make it, right? Mm -hmm. So it's that person's touch and they're bringing that kind of love and magic into the cup.
1: Yeah. So again, it's more than just chemicals. When you think of Assyrian coffee, it's this special ritual and time where people get to connect. And also it does have a unique taste. Although, here's what I'm wondering. If there was five different ethnicities all put their kava on the table, would we know which one's which? Yes. Okay.
0: Yeah, 100%. And if you go to, you know, every Assyrian's house, I'm not going to name the brand, but...
1: I thought you were going to say you're not going to name names, but... (laughs) That would have been good. That like, would have been good. Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, cafe and gay beds. <laughs> exactly. Tell me the latest. <laughs> what's the scoop? Let's have a sip. <laughs> Actually, I've heard people say lately, uh, what's the tea?
0: What's the tea? Well, yeah, that's. That, I think that's an like, English saying. What's the gossip, basically. I, I, I want to say, yeah, what's the gossip? What's this? Yeah, what's the tea?
1: So if I was a barista, you would be my worst customer. Why? Because you'd be like... I want a hint of this and a touch oh, of that. Oh, do you know
0: what my order is when I go to Starbucks? What is it? What is I it? literally will get a cappuccino. That's it. Mm. That That is my drink. I love cappuccinos. I think... It's different, right? Like there's cappuccinos, there's lattes, and everyone's like, is "This is the same thing." No, it's different. Like the method is different. Like the ratio of foam and coffee is different. But you would think that like the most complicated or coffee connoisseur is like the most complicated order ever. No, it's usually an espresso or americano or cappuccino. It's very simple. It's the flavor.
1: Yeah, it's the yeah, it's, f- it's the
0: flavor. I, I no milk, no sugar. I like the the flavor of the coffee.
1: I mean, you're already beyond me. I'm I'm more like. I'll have a grande whatever. <laughs> and they ask me all these questions I don't want them to ask it's, me.
0: Well, see, that's the thing, too. Coffee is becoming intimidating.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: My dad loves coffee. And do you know where he goes gets his coffee? 7-Eleven. <laughs> he loves it. It tastes good. You know why? Because he's intimidated to go to Starbucks and order. Because he doesn't... No, he just wants coffee. Right. He just wants good coffee. And there's a lot of people out there that just want good coffee. That's it. Yeah. So my, my coffee tastes amazing. And I, I've done a couple tastings with different people. And they're like, I can have this without cream or sugar. And I never have that. And that's what I like. When I hear that, I'm like, oh, my God, that's, that's exactly what I want.
1: So let's talk about Starbucks for a moment. Yep. Yeah. Would you consider them a competitor to what you're doing?
0: So they're not a competitor, um, but there's someone, obviously, I look at their business model and and how they've taken this concept of, you know, the cafe idea. I mean, when you think about how they founded Starbucks, the two owners went to Europe and they saw everyone having, you know, coffee and tea outside. And they're like, why aren't we doing this in the United States? And so that's how actually they brought how starbucks started i, in I love
1: how you just know all this i love
0: fun facts <laughs> like
1: you've ar- you've already have this in recall it's there just <laughs> sitting.
0: because i'm passionate about it too and i love learning about it and it's just so fascinating to me that something so simple can grow into this big idea right these two guys were on vacation and they just happened to see this and now look at starbucks i mean mm-hmm. it's on every corner you know so starbucks is not a competitor there are competitors i won't name them
1: we're gonna post about them yeah so. we'll
0: post about them. <laughs> no, so no but i'm not trying to compete with anyone i'm trying to be different from everyone but i want to be at a level starbucks one day yeah definitely
1: yeah and the other piece is when i think of starbucks before starbucks there was coffee shops yep and then before coffee shops there was like mr coffee at home yep so Are you able to like trace the evolution of societally in America, at least what has happened with the coffee industry and what's the next thing coming? Is it what you're doing where it's this very unique, refined, it's probably not something that at scale, you're going to try to take over the world. Yep but you'll have an impact because people know you and they know what you're about and they know what you're doing. So yeah, share with us. You
0: know, that's a good question. The evolution of coffee is just interesting overall anyway. And when you think of coffee and you look at the different parts of the world, how different it is right here in the United States, it's grab and go and Mm -hmm. on the go and people don't want to make coffee at home and they rather pay the five, six dollars a day. And the evolution of that has changed. And I think Starbucks was a Big component of that, I think, right? It kind of made that like pivot. It pivoted everyone to that culture of having coffee outside your house. Where before, I mean, who really had coffee back then? It was people that were going to work. You know, millennials and younger generations weren't really having coffee. It wasn't a big thing to do. Espressos weren't big. I mean, there was, you know, you had your small coffee shops. You know, I mean, it, I never
1: had coffee in high school. Did you have coffee? The or-
0: first time I ever had coffee, I remember. I was at the Catholic Church in Turlock at uh-huh. a Syrian school, and we had they gave us pizza in the um, hall. Pizza and coffee. No, no, no. They didn't give us coffee. They gave us pizza, but mm-hmm. they always had coffee in the back, and the teachers would always have their styrofoam cup filled with coffee, and it smelled <laughs> so good. And I'm like, I'm going to go back there one day and I'm going to make myself a cup. Wow. So I went back there without anyone knowing and I made myself a cup. And I remember I poured so much creamer in it. It was like looked white. And so
1: rebellious. Was, Atina. I, was,
0: I was like, I don't want pizza. I want coffee. Did and you so, get caught? No, I wow. went literally I made myself that that was my first time I had coffee. So, so did you sleep that night? <laughs> Probably not. I was so excited. I was like, I didn't like the taste of it at first, but then I think that's why I kept putting creamer in it. So anyways, going back to the evolution of it, right? Like it was Folgers. Like people were making, it was like, you know, the coffee makers the traditional coffee makers and coffee has always been one of the largest, I think it's the third, don't quote me, I could be mistaken, but I think it's the third largest traded commodity in the
1: world. Mm. Think about that. Big business.
0: Think about that. Third. I don't know, like that's just huge, right? I think oils or oils like one or two, but like coffee is up there. And when you think about the number of cups of coffee that are drunk every day and consumed every day all over the world, the evolution here in the United States has changed from in-house to cafe to kind of back in-house. And COVID has kind of put that back, kind of that tradition of making coffee at home, enjoying it and bringing that culture of coffee back into your house. I haven't done much research, but I think in the 70s, it was fairly quiet in the 80s and 90s is when kind of the punk rock culture in Seattle happened. And we saw this boom of coffee shops and, you know, in this, I think, 70s is when Starbucks popped up, too. So we saw this big boom. And then in the it's really that old, huh? It's pretty old, yeah. And, you know, we had Pete's Coffee here in Oakland coming up. So we had all these big coffee names. But it was interesting because Folgers was still around. And there's another company called Green Mountain. And I think they're the largest coffee distributors around, if if not in the United States and the world. You don't hear about them, but they're everywhere. And so, you know, it was an in-home, at-home. And I, I think the coffee cafe culture has just becoming, it's booming more and more. And if you look at the coffee industry reports, it's showing a growth, actually, not a decline, where you're seeing a decline in maybe wine consumption or beverage consumption for whatever reasons, health or you know finance reasons. We're seeing a actually a boom and a rise in coffee consumption and also investment in coffee. So in the next couple of years, even though COVID is actually closing businesses, you'd be surprised to see how many coffee shops are popping up. Mm-hmm. Because everyone's home, and a neighborhood coffee shop makes sense, right? You want to go down the street and grab some great coffee and come home.
1: Yeah, so. like little pop up shops. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So you're getting a lot of those. You get a lot of you know the the trucks, and I've even seen people on bikes, you know, selling espressos. So it's it's becoming really driven by consumer behaviors. You're selling to where the consumer is going,
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> which aligns perfectly to what you're wanting to do. Correct. Because you are not just opening up sort of a generic coffee place. So probably people from all over the world you you can find uh, that are going to be interested in what you're doing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would love to be global and I would love to be a global brand. That's eventually my goal. I think every brand wants to be global, right? Brand recognition is important. I think for me, I just want people to know about my coffee and that they can get good coffee and also, you know, get good fortune. And Mm -hmm. that's so cool, right? Like, I don't know.
1: I noticed that on your website that the fortune telling piece comes up a lot. Yep. Share more about why you've included so much around that.
0: Yeah. So for me, when you asked me that first question in the beginning, like, how did I get into coffee? And, you know, my mom and growing up, I mean, as an Assyrian, you know, all of us have experiences at one time or another. Our mom's Going or inviting, you know, their group of ladies to their house for coffee, for gava and chai and, you know, g- cakes and conversation. And seeing that over the years, you know, I was fairly young when I saw this, and we were immigrants, and my mom didn't really have our community at that point, but she had friends she knew from back home. And so they would gather together over kava and have conversations and talk, and it just became so much more than what it was, right? And so for me, I saw that growing up, and it's always become part of my life. And so I remember I would sneak out and listen around the corner when they would read the falls. I would go peek out and see if their cups were flipped over, and then they would be waiting, and then the whole house smelled like perfume and coffee. It was just like the memory so in my head. And I would peek around, and I would listen in. Not that my mom told me you couldn't listen, in, but it was adult conversations right right? so i will listen in and then it was always the same kind of falls like i was always like why is always everyone like there's two roads and they're expecting a letter in the mail it was like always the same fortune being told but i always noticed it was just brought so much happiness and it brought so much joy to a group of women that maybe didn't have an identity or couldn't make friends outside of their own culture or have coffee with someone else this is something they brought from home that their mother did their their mother's mother it's a passed down tradition like my mom taught me how to make gava right it's become who we are so for me that was really important to kind of make sure i incorporate that fortune telling part of my brand not only of gava but part of my brand too because my whole brand is around manifestation of good fortune so when you think about gava and what the gava cup represents When you're having cava, you already know, oh, I want my fortune told. But in your head, you're thinking about what you want your fortune to be about. So you're already manifesting something. So the whole art of drinking the cup and having someone reading your fortune and you're manifesting in this magic. It's for me, it's bringing that whole manifestation and that magic into the cup and in your hand. So to me, that's the tradition. And that's why I wanted to bring the fortune part of my and part of my whole brand too.
1: Right, and to look at someone else and to have a meaningful conversation and then to speak words into their life, people pay money to go to like a therapist. <laughs> they pay money to go to a coach. You know, we, we have to find all sorts of yeah. kind of workarounds and being able to tell someone's fortune is the fun way of being able to speak meaningfully into their life.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm not-
1: tongue in cheek. Yeah,
0: it, it is. It's tongue in cheek and it's fun, right? Like the first time I ever did a fall, I I remember I was studying abroad. I was in Paris and I was 24 years old. And we did like a week of culture learning. And uh, one at the end of the week, one of our teachers took us to this restaurant. And they actually ended up serving Turkish coffee. Like I said, Turkish style coffee. And I got into this whole thing. I'm like, oh my God, my family drinks this. And it was my first time like seeing it on a menu. So for me, it was like so cool, right? And I just went on this whole like spiel to them. And I'm like, my mom makes this and we do fortunes. And they're like, can you do our fortune? I'm like, I don't know. I've never done it, but I've always watched it. And I remember when I talked to my mom when I was launching this, she actually told me her mother, my grandmother, she actually used to read tea leaves. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of part of our family, but it's, you know, it's always been part of us. Anyways, and in- while we're having lunch I did someone's fortune literally I did it for fun but when I was doing it I got really into it and things were just coming up in my mind and I was just kind of like saying it you know for fun and then one of our students I was doing it for him Esteban and then two days later he comes to me he's like Atina oh my god everything you said just like came true and I'm like come on and he's like no I swear and he just started telling me and you know for me it was like fun to hear but it was also fun to see his excitement and like, what coffee can bring to someone right like it gives you hope it gives you like this thing so
1: we're. Words are powerful. Words
0: are powerful. And so for me, I've just kind of continued doing fortunes for fun or if I'm with my friends or family and someone says, hey, can you make, you know, fortune or fall? I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. So, or if someone sends me a picture.
1: <laughs> yeah. So uh, do you, do you make people do their thumbprint at the end?
0: Yeah. So that's the, another thing when you asked me earlier, what's different about how we prepare Arkava compared to other cultures. Mm-hmm. So the way we even read Arkava is different from other cultures as well. So like, um, in Turkey, I know I did some research, for example, when they flip their cup over, they put a coin on top of their cup mm. to uh, protect like bad omens and provide good fortune. You think
1: coin would make it worse.
0: I know. I don't, I don't know. So like, <laughs> and then other cultures will read the saucer. So they'll pour whatever's left in the saucer into oh, the cup and read the saucer.
1: Interesting.
0: And then- um, The I
1: leftovers meant, in the saucer. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Okay. And
0: so there's different ways. I'm actually doing a lot of research right now in that and how every culture- how did it start and actually a fun fact another fun fact for you the first coffee shop ever was in istanbul in turkey and the reason why coffee shops were invented back then was a way to gather people to talk about politics and at one point um it was the law that if your husband didn't make you proper pot of coffee you can divorce him
1: wow and
0: then the second law was king at that time he realized people were gathering at coffee shops trying to do a coup and take over the government well he realized these coffee shops are dangerous so he shut them down at one point
1: outlawed coffee. outlawed
0: coffee so there was no coffee coffee shops nothing um, and then obviously um, the way coffee started getting back into kind of the new world i would say is in turkey they went to Venice to sell coffee beans and then the Venice merchants actually kind of shipped those out and imported them to Europe and then the rest of the world. So that's how coffee spread.
1: God, it. it's kind of like the prohibition. It got shut down for a little bit and, and then, then it came
0: back. Yeah, yeah.
1: When I was growing up, I was a part of a very conservative Christian Bible study. And we were told that that's all witchcraft, telling people's fortune. How do you respond to that?
0: Well, it's just like when you go get you know Chinese food and you get a fortune cookie Mm -hmm. you know it's fun and games right at the end of the day sometimes it becomes real and sometimes things happen it could be coincidence it could be divine and whatever it is it's meant to be fun it's not meant to help you make a decision or provide therapy or anything like that it's really a time for you to escape and Mm -hmm. and you know just manifest what you want and put it out there
1: it it is interesting though isn't it how like something as harmless as just a good conversation over coffee can all a sudden get put in this category. Yeah of, I mean a king outlawed it, right? Right. Well I'm looking at your website and you've got all these different blends. You've got the Hava blend coffee, the semi ramus Sumatra blend, the Inana whole bean espresso. So of course these are like Assyrian names. What's going on with all of this?
0: That's a good question. So up to a month ago, or a couple of months ago, actually, I was only selling one blend, which was the original Gava blend, and of so your it,
1: starter kit, of
0: my starter kit, yeah. yeah. So that was the only thing I was selling: the Gava kit, the Gava, the kit, and then merchandise items here and there. But when I first launched tea coffee, my whole mission was: I always wanted to do a coffee dedicated to an Assyrian king or an Assyrian queen. I didn't know which way I wanted to go, or or which Assyrian king or queen I I didn't know, but I I knew I wanted to do that to pay homage or just to honor kind of my heritage, right? And so when I started doing research on Assyrian kings and queens, I'm like, hold on, why are we never talking about Assyrian queens? We're always talking about the kings. Like I know Queen Shamira and I know, like, I know a little bit about her. I didn't know anything, right? why did we not know that? But I knew everything about Greek goddesses, you know, because we were taught about that in school. But I thought, oh, my parents probably don't know the stories, So that's why they didn't tell me the stories. And that was the fact my parents didn't know the stories. So for whatever reason, they weren't taught that. So when I with COVID happening, it helped me really kind of take a pause on my business and think about which way I want to go and what I want to do. And so I thought about, okay, I want to release a new blend and I know what I want to do. And so I started doing research and I found a story on um, Queen Semiramis, who is the mythical legend of Queen Sharmiran, they say. Mm-hmm. And she had this like fascinating story. And I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, I even subscribed for National Geographic so I could read her whole story. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. So there was this whole story. I'm like, why? did it take me 40 years of my life to learn about this? Why have I not always known about this? It's such a cool story and it celebrates Assyrian women and embodies their power that they had and influence they had over, you know, our culture. And so I just fell in love with her story and I just started doing more research and I'm like, oh my God, it just felt right. Like I want to dedicate my company, my branding, and I want to do a new label that's in honor of Queen Semiramis. And so at that point I had the idea and then what I wanted was to connect with someone to help me bring that idea to life. And I really wanted to work with someone that was Assyrian because they understand our history. I don't have to explain it to them. And, you know, it, it's just casual conversation at that point. It's like, let's let's do this. So I put a request out and then I finally put something on Instagram, you know, great way to connect. And I said, if anybody knows any Assyrian artists. Long story short, I got connected with um, Rabel Betshmul, which I know you've interviewed as well.
1: Episode 36.
0: <laughs> and so he and I got connected and we had discussions back and forth. and I told him what my idea was and then the thing I loved about Rebel was he asked me some questions that I wasn't able to answer and he you know told me we should think about rebranding and I said I didn't think about rebranding I was just thinking about releasing a new blend but you're right I need a rebrand and so I put a pause on everything we rebranded the whole company and then I'm excited to say that he and I worked on two new blends two new labels so Queen Semiramis will be the new new blend that will be used for pour over so it's not a gava. It, it is a coffee but it's not for kava making it's you can brew it however you want but it's made for pour overs and then the inanna blend is a whole bean espresso so you can ground it to espresso or however you like and that's paying honor to queen inanna who's also the mythical legend of ishtar and so my whole idea is to sell these coffees so it'll be the Kava blend the semi-ramas blend and then the inanna blend to tell the stories of each of those right The Gava. What's behind the label? What's Gava? Queen Semiramis. Who's Queen Semiramis and why have we not known her? Inana, that's such a cool name. Who is that? So I want people to buy the coffee, take it home, and whoever they're sitting and having this coffee with to tell the story and to share those. So that's kind of where we got to. And then Robel really kind of helped me bring the ideas I had to life and really bring my brand to life too. And so even my logo is new, the colors are new. I mean, it's completely new. And so I'm really excited to be new in this podcast to talk about this. And so I'm super excited and people will be able to, you know, buy it online um, at this point. So yeah.
1: Very cool. Well, I love that you're thinking deeply about the history and you're including it in the brand and in the coffee. Is the flavor different at all or is that not a thing? So
0: the flavors are amazing, um, not being biased, but I, I work with a local brewer in Emeryville and they've been around for 30 years and they provide a lot of your probably favorite coffee shops that you've had. They provide a lot of coffee shops in the Bay Area. What I do with them is I have an idea for a label and I have a flavor idea. And for the semi Semiramis blend, for example, I read her story. And if you didn't know, there's she's a mythical legend, but apparently when she died, she turned into a dove and flew away. But there's also a story that she was birthed from a dove. So there's different legends, but there's also the legend that she helped commission the city of Babylon and also the hanging gardens of Babylon. Who knew that, right? Right. And it's a woman. And Mm -hmm. there's also a story of her legend that when her husband died, her son came in to be king but he was so young that she actually took over and became queen without anybody knowing. And she was taking over these armies and winning battles and everyone was like, who is this mythical legend? She must be not earth-like, right? And so they looked at her as this mythical person. And so these stories are so amazing. And so I looked at her story and I was like, how can I bring her story into a coffee? So bold flavors fruit forward what were they eating what were they drinking at that time right like figs and dates and those like dark flavors so the coffee really tastes it's like what would the queen drink it what matches kind of, the
1: personality yeah basically. like
0: what would queen shamiran drink or queen Sabiramis? who would drink gava like right it's it's made specifically for that so when i tell these stories to my coffee roaster they help me make sure we put the right beans and flavors together to get that so
1: very cool yeah it's a lot of fun that's amazing. And that's something I wanted to actually bring up as well. Is you mentioned on your website that it's a woman forward business. What does that mean to you? What's the deal there with the woman forward piece?
0: Yeah. That's something new I actually added and it was something when I was rebranding I thought about well, what is my company? Like what does tea coffee represent? What does it stand? What is my mission? What's my value? So I really took time to kind of write those out and understand what it means. And I just kept coming back to this like feminine divine and women and heritage and culture. And Women Forward just means it's really focused on women. Any decision I make, any brand or merchandising I do. So what woman Forward really means to me is that anything I do any decision I make, any labels I create, any line extensions, anything I do, it's going to be really around the woman. And I really want to work with Assyrian women as well. I know I worked with Rebel to start with, but that's why it's women forward. It's not women only, but I want it to be focused on women. And so that's why when I originally started coffee in 2017, tea coffee, my plan was to do an Assyrian king. And that's why everything kind of shifted. I'm like, why am I focusing on kings? So it's the celebration of the Assyrian and Mesopotamian woman in modern day, right? It's the mythical, it's the magical, it's the boldness, it's everything that those queens embodied. That's who we are. And we still embody that. That's part of our ancestral heritage. It's part of our DNA. And so why can't we just celebrate that? And I think celebrating through coffee, why not?
1: Is there going to be a King Osher coffee at some point? (laughs) Um,
0: Yes, I think there will be. I have a lot of plans and ideas and just I'm so excited and I'm so ready to do this and there will be and there will be a a decaf as well and I get asked a lot like what does tea coffee mean and are you going to sell tea and the answer is yes because chai is also a big part of our heritage and Our culture. And so I would love to get into tea one day. Yeah.
1: Good. And that actually leads to this other question, which is where do you see it sort of in the next few years?
0: So I see myself right now in the immediate future, just focusing on e-commerce and really kind of the retail with hopes of getting a storefront in the next year or so. But eventually I'd love to be a global brand and, you know, just like Folgers and Pete's Coffee. Like I want people to know who tea coffee is and I want people to understand what I represent and who I represent and you know I think The rebranding is really helping me kind of work on that and make sure that I get that messaging across. So right now my focus is on releasing these two new blends, relaunching my whole brand and the new GAVA rebranding as well. And then I have some new merchandising items too that I'll be selling as well. And then my ultimate goal is to really collaborate with other Syrian artists to do different projects, right? So I have an idea of doing a tea set collection, finding four different Syrian women artists and each of them designing a cup, you know, things like that. And then one thing I will tell you is that I am working on a book, a fortune telling book. So if you can't have your fortune told, and if you're having coffee at home, you want your fortune told, you can just flip to a page. Or if you see a star, what does a star mean? Or And these are things that over the years I've asked people like, hey, what does a road mean? Or what does a tree mean? And so I've gotten different... Feedback from people. And so I'm putting that all together and what that means for me. That's right?
1: exciting.
0: And so that's why I'm doing all this research on how coffee fortunes, and it's actually called tissography. It's yeah. actually, a, there's a term for it. It's actually the, coffee, the reading of coffee grains or coffee uh, tea leaves. That's really fascinating to me. And I'm just like, how did that start? Where? I want to know. I want to know it all. So
1: yeah. I'm just
0: starting to have conversations. And I have different conversations with friends, and they're like, oh my God, you need to talk to my aunt. She tells the best ballas. Well, like, Who taught her, you know, like how did they know and what was their experience? I really want to help share that and one day have a coffee table book. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Why not? What I love about your business, because I've been following it for several years now, is that you have gradual improvements. You started with your first thing. Now you've got a few more things. I don't think this is ever going away. Like this will always be a part of your identity and what you bring to the world.
0: A hundred percent, Steve, a hundred percent. I think when you find something you're passionate about, you just run with it and Mm -hmm. it becomes you, right? So my ultimate goal is to do this full time, you know, quit my corporate job and bt coffee right be what it represents but when you find something that you're passionate about and not only that you nailed it the gradual thing in 27 i i released it i did all this stuff and then i took a hiatus like i did for a year and a half i took a hiatus i'm glad i did because the ideas i had for the company before were so different from what they are now and i'm so happy with what i decided to do and i'm so glad i waited and i gradually did what I did because I took time to research. And also, what do I want? Like, I don't want to just make money. It's great. At the end of the day, I'll sell a couple of coffees. I'll I'll do this. But how am I giving back? What am I doing to help my people? How am I helping? So I have a, a sustainable or like a corporate responsibility mission statement too that I wrote, you know, wrote out and it's all about people, planet and product and what that means and specifically. So I'm using that to help the growth of the business and actually build a sustainable business model that will help me not only have a platform to have a voice but a product to tell the story of Assyrians through coffee, right? Like how cool would that be?
1: I think that would be great. And also going back to the piece of just connecting with others, sharing fortune or sharing wise words or important words, inspirational words. I'm seeing more and more that for you, this isn't just, again, it doesn't just come down to chemicals. You know chemicals, but you're really wanting to be a blessing on people. You want people to have like a positive experience. And that's what I'm hearing from you of like your underlying excitement about all of this.
0: Yeah. I mean, you nailed it. My tagline for my rebranding for tea coffee is a fortune in every cup, right? It's like good coffee and good fortune. It's simple. Like that's what I want. And yeah, I mean, I don't even know what else to say, but yeah, I love it. You know what it is, Steve? It's when you find something that not only brings you happiness, but it brings you identity and it it's hard to explain it connects with it connects i feel like i've done a whole circle and it's like my ancestors are telling me you're on the right path just keep going Mm -hmm. like you're doing it just keep going and there was a one point where you know the statistics they say five years before you make any return on income or revenue on your business and i'm still building out a small business and there was a lot of times where i wanted to give up and i'm like oh my god i've lost so much money or i invested like this isn't going anywhere but there was always something like pushing me and then i was like wait I just spent 15 years in wine. Why am I getting in coffee? I should just stick. But no, when it feels right, you just kind of go with your gut feeling, your intuition.
1: Yeah, I love that you're relentless and you're pursuing that. And again, I think you've done it in a responsible way. You're letting it grow on its own too. You're not forcing it to go in a different direction. Yeah. I am wondering, Like, are there any Assyrian people who have coffee shops that you can start to create some of this and have it at their cafes? Any
0: coffee shops that are out there, I would definitely love to work with or have placement. My focus on these new blends, Rabelle and I worked on the labels to sell at retail, which you know how label design works. If you sell at retail, it's different label design than if you sell at home and distribute on your own. So I designed this label package to be at retail. So I would love if there's any coffee shops. That's what my brand's about. It's about collaboration, right? It's about connecting. And I mean, if we can connect in any way, if I can help your brand or I can help, we can help each other, why not?
1: I love it. I love it. So we've covered a lot. Is there anything else that you want us to cover?
0: No, I think when you look at my coffee and you look at the labels, take a look really close at the labels because there's a story behind every one of them and there's intention behind the design. And so the Gava Blend design and the Semi Ramis and the Inana, each of their label logos for those labels is very distinct to their story. So it's really cool when you see it, you're like, what is this? And then when you know the story and you look at the label, it just connects and it's like, oh, that's so cool. So to me, I think I would love to call that out.
1: You're getting people super excited about this. And I hope your new website's ready to go because they're all going to be wanting to order. So hopefully you can, you know, be ready to turn it all around and go.
0: Yeah, May 4th, everything will be up. I'm going to be doing a pre-sale this time around and the coffee will be produced real time. So it stays fresh. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to do a pre-sale. Once I get the pre-sale, then the coffee will be produced and, and shipped. So that way it stays fresh as well.
1: I think the cool thing after having this time with you is just seeing that goes back to like a holistic experience for people and you're giving them not just these coffee beans, but something that will help them pause and experience life in a deeper way, a more meaningful way. Yeah. Uh, But then get rejuvenated with all the caffeine.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, with COVID and I hate to keep bringing up COVID, but it just, I think given a lot of people time to sit and think and you know a lot of people are making coffee at home too and there's this thing I read the other day I can't quote it verbatim but it was like you know take 10 minutes of your day today and actually enjoy your coffee don't sit at your desk go sit outside with your cup and just 10 minutes and just enjoy that time so for me like when I make coffee or I'm preparing it in the morning it's my time right like my phone's off I have my music on I have my way of doing it I'll wake up and I'm like you know today I want to make this so it's bringing that experience home and making it your own, right? So I think that's the most important thing. And we're doing that so much more. So being with coffee too is you can make it your own and have it your own or you can share that time with someone else well and then then it becomes like a conversation right so you can make it whatever you want it to be and that's the beautiful thing about it
1: well I've been enjoying this coffee that we've got that you made earlier so thank you for that of course one of the things we ask everybody who's on the Assyrian podcast is if there's one thing you could say to all the Assyrians who are listening all over the world what would you say
0: oh that's a tough one
1: (laughs) We have listeners in Australia, in the UK, in Iraq, everywhere.
0: Well, first, thank you for listening. I think this is an amazing platform to get everybody connected. I would just say keep doing things like this, right? Keep opening up businesses, open up podcasts, do things that help us just stay connected and help each other. I mean, at the end of the day, we have each other. That's all we have, right? We don't have a country. We don't have anything else, but we have each other. So let's just help each other. I mean, that's it. If if there's a small business, if there's you know a podcast or if there's anything i let's celebrate each other instead of competing i think that's the important thing empowerment empower each other
1: yeah love it well thanks so much for being on the show
0: thank you steve i had so much fun and this was so exciting and
1: we'll catch up with you in a few years down the road and see where this has gone yeah
0: we'll do a follow-up for sure cool thank you steve yeah bye
1: Thank you as always for listening and please remember to subscribe to the Assyrian Podcast.